The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey everyone, Matt Straub welcoming you to the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. It is Friday, August 7th. We have a lot to talk about from this week and looking ahead to this weekend. We're going to start with a little bit of news, and then we're going to hit you with a weekend DFS preview. Look at some of the matchups that we like and maybe don't like. I am joined today by Ryan Knaus. Ryan, what's happening, man? Uh, you know, enjoying the restart. Have you been watching many games these days, I assume? I have been watching. I have been very impressed by how good it looks on TV, all things considered. I agree. I think they've done a great great job with the restart. The, I expected the, the audio, you know, that kind of canned fan reaction to be very distracting. I don't find it to be so. Uh, I know some people have said they can't stop noticing the the fake fans, uh, you know, who are plastered huge on all sides of the court. But again, they don't really bother me. And moreover, I think the product that we've seen on the court, these teams look pretty sharp. I mean, maybe the defense isn't quite there. We've seen some some incredibly high-scoring games and so forth. But, you know, teams look to be in a pretty good flow. We haven't seen too many bad injuries yet. So that was, that was a big concern coming back. Are these guys in condition? Are we going to see a, a spate of injuries? And so far, so good. There's a couple that I'm sure we'll talk about throughout, through the course of this. But I like what I've seen. In fact, we will actually start by talking about an injury. Ben Simmons, per Keith Pompey of the Philly Inquirer, has a subluxation of the left kneecap. That's a partial dislocation, apparently, Ryan, and that sounds bad. That is bad. (laughs) Um, Yeah, a partial dislocation. At the time, he had an MRI. It was negative, and they kind of downplayed it. Uh, said that he was day-to-day, which I assume he still is, but they're seeking second opinions. How do they proceed with this? And as we know from the past, they've been extremely cautious with Ben Simmons when it comes to injuries. So you got to think they shut him down for the rest of the seeding games. They're locked into a playoff position, and there's really no incentive to try to battle up and get quote-unquote home court advantage because what you see pictures of your fans instead of the other team so (laughs) so I I wouldn't expect to see him until the playoffs start but you know it remains to be seen in the meantime I'm you know maybe we'll see some prime shake Milton who was who was prime shake Milton terrific before the shutdown without Ben so yeah you led me right to what I want to talk about there because Simmons missed Simmons had a stretch where he missed nine out of ten games uh, in late February into March. And during that stretch, Shake Milton averaged 16.5 points, 3.8 assists, 1.0 steals, 0.5 blocks, 2.9 threes. There was a 39-point game in there at one point, which I think is the prime Shake Milton you're referring to. So he is certainly on the radar as a DFS option pretty much right away, don't you think? I do, in fact. And, and he's been kind of, well, not bad, but he's been pedestrian through the restart. So I think his... 
his DFS price is going to be quite reasonable. It might get a boost as they adjust the numbers and how many minutes he's supposed to get, but uh, I quite like him. So I'm going to queue him up in a lot of leagues going forward for the, at least the next couple days, see where his salary falls. And maybe Al Horford, do you think he starts alongside Embiid? They were hesitant to play the two bigs earlier in the season, but there was talk about how over the hiatus, Brett Brown watched a lot of video, tried to think of how these two can work together on the court. And personally, I think it can work because Al Horford is not necessarily an interior player, such as Embiid. He's uh, attempting a career-high 4.3 three-pointers this year, so he could actually give Embiid more room to operate in the post. He's a willing passer. He's had at least four assists per game for four straight years. So I, I think that pairing can work, and I would expect Horford, even if he doesn't start next to Embiid, to be playing cons- you know consistently more minutes, 30-plus per game. Yeah, I think Easy Al is very much back on the DFS radar. During that same stretch I talked about where Shake Milton played well, Horford averaged 12.1 points, 7.7 boards, 5.1 assists, 0.8 steals, 1.0 blocks, 1.7 threes, which mm. I think that's about as good as it gets for Horford these days. Yeah, that's, at age 34. That sounds about about peak that's, peak Al. So we could we could be seeing peak Shake Milton and peak Horford. I'll take it for the remaining seeding games, anyways. The Pelicans and the Kings played on Thursday afternoon. That was the early game on Thursday afternoon. Zion Williamson had 24 points in that game. Not a lot else. Couple boards, couple assists. But I want to talk about the Sacramento side of things quickly, Ryan. Buddy Heald on Tuesday had his best game of the bubble so far, 21 points. Followed it up with three points in 11 minutes on Thursday. And you compare that with what Bogdan Bogdanovich has been doing. When Buddy Heald went for 21 on Tuesday, he scored just three. When Buddy Heald scored Mm -hmm. three on Thursday, Bogdanovich went off for 35. Are these two just draining each other's value and kind of just see? I mean, it looks like they're just seesawing good games here, but am I overreacting to too small of a sample size? That's a great question. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the sample size because we're seeing that all across the board. I mean, any any performance that we look at, you have to consider, well, you know, it's only been a handful of games against defenses that are still figuring out how to operate and so forth. But I think what we've seen, I mean, it's a disturbing trend, 11 minutes in, in a game when Bogdanovich, I mean, it's crystal clear. Combined, they played 48 minutes, Bogdanovich and Heald. Heald got the short end of the stick today because Bogdan was on fire, reached his career high by the third quarter. Uh, Six of nine from deep, 13 of 20 from the field overall. He was just, he was incredible. So that unwillingness to pair them for any, any time at all is bad news, yes. And would I have expected Heald to at least play 20, 25 minutes, even in a situation like this? I would have. I'm shocked at what Luke Walton is doing but but yes it gives me no faith in either of them frankly because Bogdanovich doesn't contribute too much across the board so if he's not scoring 18 plus points per game he's not going to hit DFS value now his salary is going to go up because of this random explosion against a bad defense Uh, so I'm not going to be buying into this at all yeah and by the way as we record this there wasn't an indication that Heald was hurt or anything like that so for now as of Thursday late afternoon early evening we're assuming that this is just a a coach's decision and healed is looking very hard to trust just when it looked like he was trending back up super frustrating yeah. but hey the kings are you know didn't pay him a huge contract for nothing right i don't know what are they doing what are they doing in sacramento ryan <laughs> uh, you'd have to ask someone else someone more qualified <laughs> 
Uh, because I truly the have no idea. The usage of Buddy Heald really blows my mind. They give him a monster contract, start bringing him off the bench. He's playing better for a while there before the shutdown, and now just I, I don't get it. And what are they doing playing Alex Len for 15 minutes and Harry Giles gets nothing today? Yeah. So, what, like, why? Are they not developing for the future? Is there something, something isn't quite adding up for me in terms of how they're using personnel, who they're developing or not developing. It's, it's confusing. It's that thin bubble air maybe is getting to Luke Walton or something, possibly. That's a, a generous take. <laughs> All right, I want to get into a weekend DFS preview, Ryan. We're going to hit some names to focus on on Friday and Saturday and some recent trends and how excited we are about using some of these players. The early game on Friday is Spurs versus Jazz. And Ryan, I'm just going to ask you this general question. First of all, when you're playing DFS right now, are you getting lineups in for that 1 p.m. game? It's been tough. It's been tough. Like if you're playing with friends, it's tough to get organized by that hour. I am doing that, but mostly just for tournaments and head-to-heads and leagues where it's not, as you said, if you're trying to coordinate with six other friends or seven other friends, you know, it's it's going to be tough to have everyone set their lineups. But And if you are doing that, I only enter, and I think most of them are, late lineup locks. So that if you have a team playing at 8 p.m. and you're doing a full slate, you can change your lineup prior to that game starting. So that's a critical huge advantage especially with injury reports coming out uh you know that we have the 2 p.m report then we have the 5 p.m report so if you don't have that information of who's going to play who isn't you can't effectively set a dfs lineup so definitely look for those late locks that's been my approach if you are looking at Spurs and Jazz early on Friday, I want to focus for a second on Derek White. On Wednesday, he was his salary was 6000 on FanDuel. In the first four games in the bubble for him, he's averaging 21.3 points, 4.8 rebounds, 5.5 assists, 1.0 steals, 0.5 blocks, 3.8 threes. He's been on fire. Yeah. yeah. Are you interested in White? Like, let's say his salary continues to hover in the you know low 6000s. Are you feeling like that's a good value at this point? Assuming he hovers in there, yes, I would. I would definitely keep rolling him out there. I like the Spurs playing small. They're running, you know, three guards out there. They got White alongside Dejounte Murray and Lonnie Walker, and Demar Derozan playing ostensibly power forward. It's a fun kind of brand of basketball that generates a lot of points, a lot of possessions, and that's all for the better if you're a DFS owner. So yeah, I don't know that he's going to continue to be this lights out from deep you know, getting a ton of looks. He took 10 three-pointers on Wednesday. So maybe that comes down a little bit, but he looks kind of like a go-to guy for this team and a team that really needs to generate offense that isn't just DeMar DeRozan. So yes, I'm, I'm buying in. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see White's salary, you know, creeping up closer to 7,000. And then I think it becomes a tougher decision. But, you know, should he remain in the 6,000 range any longer? No. I, I think I'm on board as well. Also on Friday, the Grizzlies play the Thunder, and I want to look at the Grizzlies side of things here. I'm going to start with John Morant, Ryan. In the bubble, 19.5 points, 6.5 rebounds, 9.3 assists, 0.8 steals, 1.03s. I mentioned the threes because I can't stop mentioning them, even though they don't really matter for DFS. His salary has been in the mid-7,000s recently. Assuming that stays under 8K, uh, are you in on using Morant? Yes, I I'd have to examine the entire slate to be super sold on this because there are so many guys in and around that 8 to 10K. And, you know, if you're playing Morant, then you're not going to be able maybe to afford someone else who you desperately want on your team, some some super superstar. But, 
Yes, in, in general, I think it's a decent matchup. The Thunder are surprisingly good, which <laughs> we should probably talk about. Um, but yeah, I, I believe in Morant. He's incredible. He's, the dimes are there. 20 points per game is probably a lock. And he's rebounding the heck out of the ball. Six boards, nine boards, five boards, six boards. So I, li- I like it all. He pads his stats, and that's something I'm always looking for. Where if a guy has a bad scoring game and say he shoots you know, three of 12 from the field, gets a couple free throws, held to the low teens, can he make up for it in other categories so that you don't just have a, a glaring dud on your roster? He's one of the players who absolutely can check those boxes. So I'm into him. Ryan, we've had a Grayson Allen sighting in the NBA bubble. I'm not sure if you noticed that. I have. But you have. I want to get your thoughts on this. His last three games, so throw out his first game in the bubble, if you're willing to do that. His last three games, 17.3 points, 2.0 rebounds, 1.7 assists, 0.7 steals, 4.3 three-pointers. So that's not that spicy of a DFS line. That's a spicy (laughs) fantasy stat line. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to go overboard with Grayson Allen, and I don't want to, you know, speak for you. What are your thoughts? Well, I'd say in reality, I think it's pretty cool because he's a guy who's struggled to really find his footing in the league, kind of comes in with a bad reputation, but he has been playing great. He's giving them exactly what they need, which is with Tyus Jones out, they need someone who can handle the ball and generate offense for the second unit. He's doing exactly that. But in in that sample you you cited, he probably shot like eighty percent from the field or something. Like he's he's been incredibly 62, hot. 62 from the field, sixty five from three point <laughs> range. That's sustainable, right? Right. Oh well, of course. And you know zero zero blocks and under a steal per game, but I'm sure those will come up. No, but you talk about a secondary ball handler who doesn't get assists. He's, he's not going to rebound the ball. Defensive stats aren't going to be there. And those numbers we just referenced, obviously, are going to plummet. So, great. If you started him and you wrung some value out of that, that's awesome. But I wouldn't recommend it going forward. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. Brandon Clark, I want to get your thoughts on him with Jaron Jackson Jr. Done due to a torn meniscus. Clark had a disappointing game mm-hmm. heading in before the weekend. Six points, five boards, two steals, one block in 27 minutes. I personally expect a lot more from Clark, who per 36 minutes this season has averaged 19.5 points, 9.5 rebounds, 2.3 dimes, 0.9 steals, 1.4 blocks, and 0.63s. I am super high on Brandon Clark as a real and fantasy player, and I think I'm going to continue to start him in DFS this weekend. He was 4,900 for that most recent dud, and I imagine it's probably... I don't think his salary is going to go up a lot after that dud. No, I'd I'd expect it to remain where it was, maybe go up a little bit just because of the Jaron Jackson Jr. injury you mentioned, which that's very unfortunate. But, you know, this is a team that's yet to win in Orlando. They desperately need production. Now they have an huge hole in the lineup which Brandon Clark fits into ideally so I expect his usage to spike despite the quiet game on Wednesday and yeah I mean he started the bubble great he was 7 of 8 from the field scored 21 points against the Blazers in an OT game I would think that his minutes climb up closer to 30 as opposed to the mid-20s that he's been at so for sure he's he's a guy I'll be targeting Everyone, the all-new Roto World Premium subscription package has the tools and resources to help you dominate your fantasy league across all sports from draft to playoffs. Plus, get free access to our brand new sports betting tools from now until September 28th. As a listener of the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Podcast, get $10 off any annual subscription to Roto World Premium. 
To find your edge, visit rotoworld.com slash edge using the promo code BKPOD10 at checkout. That's rotoworld.com slash edge, BKPOD10 at checkout. Also on Friday, Ryan, the Magic will be playing the Sixers. We already looked at what we expect to see from Shake Milton and Al Horford with Ben Simmons out. Looking at this from the Magic side of things, Aaron Gordon, per Dan Savage of OrlandoMagic.com, is doubtful for Friday's game with a hammy issue. Anything to get excited about there with Gordon out on the Orlando side of things? You know, I think immediately, because you got to also consider Jonathan Isaac is gone. So I looked at the splits with both Gordon and Jonathan Isaac off the court. And actually, the guy who gets the biggest usage bump is Nikola Vucevic, who jumps up jumps oh. up to 31.1% usage. It's nearly five percentage points higher than he typically is. So that was interesting. I wouldn't have thought that, right? I would have gone maybe Terrence Ross, Evan Fournier. Sure. We know a, a guy like Wes Iwundu and maybe James Ennis are going to get more minutes, but who's going to actually pick up production? Because I don't like either Ennis or Iwundu. They're too low usage, kind of 3 and D wing type guys. Um, so I personally, I wouldn't have thought Vooch, but I might target him just for that reason and probably turn to Terrence Ross more readily than I would have if uh, Gordon were playing. That's interesting. Vooch has been, I think his his DFS salary, at least on FanDuel, has been the low 8,000s at last check. So mm. that's a pretty interesting option. I would not have expected that. I know you're a, you're always a Vooch fan, so I figure I'd, I'd throw you a, a softball there. <laughs> big, big Vooch guy. He's just so consistent. First three games, he delivered big-time value, scored 20-plus points in his first three, kind of had a dud against the Raptors his last time out. So against his former team, revenge game, there's a lot to like here all of a sudden, Ryan. I like it. Moving on to the Wizards and the Pelicans, mostly looking at this from the Wizards' side of things, mostly looking at one Thomas Bryant, Ryan, as a rainstorm is happening outside my window. I don't know if you can hear that. Thomas Bryant's last three games, you ready for this? Yes. 23.0 23.0 point. You didn't sound ready. Are you ready? Well, you're you're in the midst of a rainstorm. I was, you know, I started to get meditative. I like I like a good rainstorm beating against the window panes. I was trying to be there with you, Matt. So you want me to quiet down for a second, and give you a little yeah, rain, get, rainstorm? Yeah, get, right, get, right, get here, serious. Give you five seconds. Five seconds of rainstorm noise for you there. Last three games for Thomas Bryant: 23.0 points, 11.3 rebounds, 1.0 steals. 3.0 blocks. He is out of his mind lately, Ryan. What salary, just throw a number at me, what salary is too high for you to use this guy in DFS? How high are you willing to go? I mean, for example, Yusuf Nurkic on Thursday was all the way up to 9,100 on FanDuel. I think Bryant, I mean, is he going to be like in the 8,000 soon? What are we looking at? If he is over 8,000, I think that's the sticking point for me where I start to say, well, if I play him, I can't play Anthony Davis or I can't play Christophe Porzingis. Right. And can he keep this up? Again, I'll circle back to that small sample size. He's hitting two three-pointers per game. He's pretty much averaging 2010 with over two blocks. So where was this guy, by the way? I I drafted him in all my season-long leagues, and he was quiet then he got hurt then he basically faded he was averaging like 15 minutes going into the hiatus he was he was a disaster and now he's he's balling out so i'm like where was this guy when i needed him but yes if he's over 8000 i say forget it and then i pivot to guys like jokic and even nurk who you mentioned so i guess i'm not quite buying it okay 
Steve and I have talked about Brian a few times heading into the restart, and we were we were very skeptical to say the least. So he has mm. impressed me. I'll just say that again. I I don't think I'm going to make him one of the stalwarts of my DFS lineup either. Is he convincing you with his play to draft him higher than you would have going in for season long leagues next year? Like I I mean, would you take him 60, 75 overall? I'm impressed. I think I'm going to approach it with a little bit of skepticism though as well. And you know, you look at no Bradley Beal for the Wizards, you know, no Davis Bertans for the Wizards. I think it's kind of the perfect storm for him to be a go-to mm-hmm. guy right now. And it's awesome for him that he's doing that. I mean, again, though, he looked really impressive early in the year, right? I'm going to look at the first month of the season or so. Bryant, 14.8 points, 8.8 boards, 2.6 assists, 1.1 blocks, just 0.63s. That was his first 16 games. I mean, that's pretty good. Nearly 15 and 9, you know, 2.5 assists, 1.1 blocks. He's 23, just turned 23. If you tell me... Sure. I, I, I think I'd draft him with an expectation for something like that, you know? Yes, right. Yeah, yeah. Not not the version we're seeing now, but you're right. And for me, I guess, as you were speaking, I realized it comes down to health because he's had injury problems. So it'll depend on if there's even a whisper of an injury during the extremely brief offseason that we're about to experience. I, can't, I always want to say the summer because I'm so used to the <laughs> right. to, to the offseason being in, in July and August. But, uh, yep, it's going to be the, the autumn. Yes. But, um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think 75 is probably a reasonable expectation in, in 8-cat, 9-cat form. Looking ahead to Saturday, Ryan, we're going to see one Michael Porter Jr. back in action heading into Thursday Michael Porter Jr. had put up back-to-back 30-plus point games. 37 points in one game, followed it up with a 30.15 rebound game. 30-point double-doubles, I should say. Now, Denver has been without Will Barton, Gary Harris, Jamal Murray recently. But I want to know, I want mm-hmm. to note this, Ryan. I counted 11 games this season where Michael Porter Jr. has played 24 minutes or more, okay? The, the bar is 24 minutes. If he clears 24 mm-hmm. minutes this season, he's averaging... 19.4 points, 9.8 rebounds, 0.7 steals, 0.8 blocks, 2.83s. This kid is an absolute beast in fantasy. Wow. I mean, to me, I just think his upside is borderline outrageous in fantasy. I, I may be overhyping him a little bit, but I mean, do you think there's any chance that he's making a case for 25 to 30 minutes, regardless of Denver's wings and guards getting healthy? <laughs> I, I really do. Yeah, he's been he's been incredible, and I'm glad you did the legwork there on those stats with the 20, at least 24 minutes per game. That's incredibly impressive stuff. And we always knew that he had this kind of upside. His role just wasn't quite there. And as you said, now he's getting to play big minutes with all these guys out, particularly Barton, but also Harrison Murray. And it, he's otherworldly. Like, how would they take him off the court at this point? They need. I, I think they need him. And even going into the to the bubble, Mike Malone said, Michael Porter Jr. will be part of our rotation in the playoffs. So he was committed to it, even thinking that he had a completely healthy full roster. So yes, I I think 25 minutes or more is a reasonable expectation. Even if it comes at the expense of Paul Millsap, frankly, or or a guy like Jeremy Grant, which also from the season-long perspective, speaking of those two guys, Millsap is going to be an unrestricted free agent. Jeremy Grant has a $9 million player option. He's not locked to pick that up, especially because he's, you know, good and can probably get a longer term contract. So 
does Michael Porter Jr. become their full a full time starter next year? Possibly. Ooh. And I would be over the moon if that happened. I know you're gonna have to burn an early draft pick to get him. Oh man. But it's yeah. worth it, right? <laughs> that's that's the guy who in like, you know, one of our Roto World drafts or something, it's just, you know oh, yeah. some you you're just gonna be, you know, fist fighting people to make that pick. Imagine a, a salary draft where everyone just keeps upbidding everybody else. <laughs> like, right. so someone spends $80 to get Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> right. His DFS salary was 5500 on FanDuel on Thursday. I think that's going to be going way up soon. We're taping this before the Blazers-Nuggets game, but that one should be a fun one. So looking forward to watching that one, slash I enjoyed watching that one, depending on when you're listening to this. Well, definitely... <laughs> I enjoyed watching that one because you're listening to this on Friday. I just have a couple more names I want to hit who are also playing on Saturday. Yusuf Nurkic, his first three games in the bubble. We talked about him a minute ago. This is before Thursday night. He had averaged 22.0 points, 12.3 rebounds, 4.3 assists, 1.7 steals, and 3.3 blocks. And when I say his first three games in the bubble, I mean his first three games in 16 months. He was 9,100 on Thursday. That's superstar. That's top, you know, very top level salary. That's that's one of your stars. Is that too high for you at this point? So 9,100. Yeah, see, that's like threshold. That's where I think you're breaking even. You're not getting a guy who's going to erupt for 80 fantasy points like you might get out of James Harden or Giannis Antetokounmpo or someone like that. Right. So... I don't like spending that much money on a guy who's ceiling, you know, probably 60 DFS points somewhere around there, which is incredible. And not to take anything away, he's been sensational in the bubble. Uh, Hassan Whiteside must just be furious right now. Um, but yeah, I don't love it because I don't think Nurk is going to play more than really 32 minutes per game. He's also really foul prone. So one of these, I mean, he's averaging five fouls per game in Orlando. The only player with more fouls, you would never guess, so I won't make you try, is Dylan Brooks. <laughs> For what <laughs> that that's is worth. Not, that is not what I would have guessed. <laughs> no. But anyway. Um, Lockdown so I, defender Dylan Brooks. Yeah, there you go. But I think with the uh, minute sort of limit, with him coming back from injury, plus the fouls, plus the lack of just, like, completely otherworldly upside. I think over 9,000 gets a little rich for me. That's fair. That's fair. And I'm going to ask you about another guy who's been out of his mind. And you may guess who I'm talking about, because I also emailed you his name before we recorded. TJ Warren in the bubble before Thursday, his first three games of Orlando. 39.7 points per game, 5.7 rebounds, 3.3 assists, 2.0 steals, 2.3 blocks, 4.7 threes. What is going on here? Warren was <laughs> 8,800 on FanDuel on Thursday. So that salary has already gone through the roof. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this whole phenomenon? <laughs> uh, it's a... It's a strange one. I'm happy for the guy. I think it's great. Um, you know, the Suns are kicking themselves, so that's a fun narrative. We can constantly yeah. bring that up and just beat Phoenix's management over the head with it. Um, they traded him for cash considerations and gave up a draft pick just to get rid of him. Anyway. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. But I don't think, I mean, if he's around 9,000, I'd be more into him than Nurkic just because... I guess the case for him is that he's still operating under 30% usage, so that could conceivably go up. He's obviously the go-to guy for this offense, and I wouldn't have predicted any of those performances. So I, I wrote in a blurb recently that I'm on my heels as an analyst. Like, I don't, 
I, I don't know, frankly. It's okay to admit ignorance. I don't, I don't know if he can keep this up uh, or can't. I guess the case against him is that he's not going to continue to shoot 65% from the field. He's making almost five threes per game, and the defensive numbers are ridiculous. I don't think he can keep that up. So, yeah. Yeah. This is about the the threshold where I would still roster him at 9,000, but if he creeps up higher than that, like, you know, if it's between him and Anthony Davis, I got to take AD. I have a live update for you on TJ Warren at halftime of his revenge game against Phoenix. He has a pedestrian 13 points, five rebounds, a steal, and a three pointer. <laughs> so only on pace for 26 and 10 in that game. Incredible. So TJ Warren has come back, has come back into Earth's orbit for the time being. And now watch him catch fire and finish that game with like 35 points. Ryan, anything uh, you want to hit before we get out of here? No, I guess that that's a lot. Um, you know, when when I build DFS lineups, it's always matchups. Recent performance is obviously important. TJ Warren, Thomas Bryant, you see things like this and you have to just react and sometimes suspend disbelief and be like, I don't I didn't know TJ Warren had this in him, but here we are. So play accordingly. But definitely always look at matchups and in that regard it really helps Roto World's new fantasy tool, Roto World Edge is terrific in that regard it really just lays everything out there for you so i would highly recommend that from a personal level i use it every single day when i set lineups ryan i had the experience i think it was last season you and steve and i were playing some dfs together for a stretch there i did not enjoy playing with you it was it was, it was <laughs> steve, frustrating steve disinvited me so i don't get I, yeah. I don't get to play anymore <laughs> yeah it, he it was like he invited both of us to his well he stopped inviting me too but i I think you, I don't know, I, I just remember, I would look at your lineup and be like, oh, come on. <laughs> I got to get out of the waters with this shark. <laughs> Darn it. I was going to say maybe we should start that back up again, Matt. I'd love to start it back up. Let's send Let's send Steve an invite and just see what he does. Okay. Let's just text Steve and ask if we can get back in on that All thing. All right. We'll follow, follow up on your next podcast and let, let people listening know, know how it goes. Yeah, good deal. Uh, you can follow Ryan on Twitter at Knaus underscore RW. We will be back on Tuesday of next week to recap the weekend, look at the most recent news, etc. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a second to rate and review us as well. Ryan, thank you for taking the time. Thanks to all of you for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.